of the anarchist experience episode 448 aka year nine week 24 coming at you this week as always i'm your host mr rich e rich and podcast only solo show again uh mc is still on his honeymoon traveling through asia uh honestly i don't remember when he said he'd be back um it could be next week it could be the following week so this could be the last or the latest uh, episode of Richie Rich Reads the News, or we could have one more of these guys before we get back to the normal clubhouse broadcasting and whatnot. So if you found us during one of these solo shows and you want to participate in a live show when we do it, uh, we do it on Clubhouse. Typically, we do it Saturday afternoons uh, around 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the club is the Anarchist Experience if you use the Clubhouse app. Or you can at me, at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H. And then I will click the little invite button when we go live. Uh, but no live show, at least for this week. Um, and we'll see what happens next week. That being said, we'll get right into it. Richie Rich reads the news. We'll start off with a couple from LouRockwell.com. Again, they've been uh, a sketchy source for a while, but they've been a little bit more on point recently. Um, so yeah, we'll start off with a couple of those and then we'll see how far we get into this thing. So from lourockwell.com, war on truth, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in a democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society in almost every act of our daily lives whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind. A quote from a book, Propaganda by Edward Bernays. Axis of evil seems to be an interchangeable based upon who the deep state needs the enemy at any given time. Bush Jr. first coined the phrase in his January 29th, 2002 State of the Union speech when describing Iran, Iraq, and North Korea. Of course, we know his deep state handlers then falsified claims of 9-11 involvement in WMDs to take out Saddam and steal his oil. The barely cogent, doddering old fool Senator McConnell this week declared Russia, China, and Iran as the new access of evil. 
you'll notice uh, Iran is still in the club, but they now consider two nuclear-armed superpowers to be evil and enemies. Kim Jong-un must be so disappointed at being kicked out of the club. I always thought the quote above attributed to Orwell was really from Ron Paul. Either way, we are most certainly living in an empire of lies, where the war on truth is relentless and never-ending. As the quote from Bernays reveals, the war on truth has been consciously waged for at least a century and probably for centuries, as the invisible government of Ben behind the curtain manipulate the minds of the masses with propaganda, lies, disinformation, and misinformation in order to control and profit from the false narratives they spin. The UN, WHO, and WEF truly are the real access of evil in our world today. They are the front organizations of a globalist cabal of billionaires, bankers, and their armies of psychopath bureaucrats, corrupt politicians, media mouthpieces, satanic pedophiles, and bloodthirsty generals intent on blowing up the world. All three diabolical organizations are focused on implementing their overlord's great reset agenda of depopulation, central bank digital currencies, social credit scores for the plebs, 15-minute city gulags, living in 300-square-foot pods, forced transition to an all-EV society, confiscation of firearms to ensure their control, making the peasants eat bugs while they dine on filet mignon and lobster, and convincing you you're happy, owning nothing while they own everything. There have been a lot of wars in the 50 years since the deep state killed JFK in 1963, and every one of them has been a failure. Traditional war has accomplished nothing. Vietnam, failure. Iraq, failure. Afghanistan, failure. War on poverty, $15 trillion of your tax dollars spent since 1965 and poverty is worse. While Democrat-run urban ghettos shitholes worse than third world countries, the war on drugs, over $1 trillion spent since Nixon declared war in 1971, with tens of thousands in prison and drug use at all-time highs. When taking into account big pharma-created addictions, the war on terror, over $8 trillion spent since 9-11, along with the implementation of a surveillance state Orwell couldn't have conceived in his darkest nightmares, and now parents and grannies are classified as domestic terrorists. Meanwhile, real terrorists can saunter across their southern border and be transported by our government anywhere they choose. War on COVID, at least $6 trillion directly with your tax dollars but trillions more in the destruction of businesses, jobs, and lives, and of course the proliferation of war on CO2, fossil fuels, farmers, meat, white people, biology regarding gender, the Constitution, and common sense continue unabated as they all contribute to the Great Reset Agenda. The war on truth is relentlessly fought by our ruling class and their co-conspirator minions in the regime media and Silicon Valley tyrants social media propagandists. Orwell and Bernays were contemporaries, but had entirely divergent viewpoints regarding truth. Orwell saw authoritarian government suppressing truth as an existential evil. Bernays was so annoyed by the Nazis giving his propaganda book a bad name, he changed the narrative and started calling it public relations. He was enthusiastically in favor of an invisible government of men manipulating the masses into thinking whatever they want them to think by obscuring the truth and employing psychological techniques to mold the belief of the unsuspecting masses. 
Bernays techniques have been taken to a new level with the advent of technology in the 21st century. The ability to lie, misinform, fake, and shroud the truth has never been easier, especially after decades of government indoctrination in public schools designed to dumb down the masses, make them obey authority, feel rather than think, and never question the approved establishment narrative. Never has this been more true than with government-reported economic statistics. If you want to see how fake the government statistics are, just go to John Williams' site Shadow Stats to get the truth. This past week, the regime media was ecstatic about the 4.9 third quarter GDP report, and Biden was so excited he was drooling and shitting his pants while taking credit for our stupendous economy. What they failed to mention is government spending is a major component of the GDP calculation. And your friendly government drones added $1.1 trillion to the national debt in the third quarter to artificially boost GDP. In addition, they used an inflation rate of 3% in their calculation. With the, without the artificial government borrowing and spending and using the real inflation rate of 8 to 10%, you are experiencing in the real world, and the real GDP is really negative 5% or worse. The most laughable of all the fake government statistics in the, is the reported unemployment rate of 3.8%. Only a proud woman study graduate has been jabbed eight times, still wears a mask alone in their Prius, and has an I support Ukraine and I support Israel flag in their social media profile, could possibly believe that drivel. There are 267 million working-aged Americans, with 162 million employed. Of course, 26 million of those jobs are part-time, and another 4 million people are working multiple jobs. So 40% of the working-age population are not working. Only 50% have a full-time job. The government just pretends 100 million working-age people choose not to be employed, so they don't count. The economy is so good, those people not in the labor force have decided to camp out permanently in homeless encampments across the nation. Shadow Stats calculates the true unemployment rate at 25%. Do you think 3.8 or 25% is closer to the truth? Anyone with an IQ above room temperature realizes Bidenomics has been disastrous for the average American and is reflected in Biden's approval rating and consumer expectations about the future being the lowest since the great financial crisis in 2012. Wall Street cheered retail sales reportedly up 0.7% in September when critical thinking pe people realize they are up due to inflation Real retail sales are negative. They need to keep you believing all is well until they decide to pull out, when they believe it is in their best interest to do so. They will position themselves to benefit from a financial collapse. They will continue to push their climate emergency tripe, even though the facts unquestionably support the opposite of what their narrative spew uh, relentlessly. Facts don't matter to the Great Reset disciples, but facts don't cease to exist. A quote from Aldous Huxley, facts do not cease to exist because they are ignored. The climate narrative is solely designed to increase your taxes, reduce your freedom, and enrich the globalist cabal who believe they can manipulate you into doing whatever they tell you to do. Truth has no part in their agenda. The only way to defeat these psychopaths is to keep hammering away with truth despite the hate, censorship, and canceling thrown our way. The further a society drifts from truth, the more it will hate those who speak it, said George Orwell. In a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act, also Orwell. 
Society is lost in a blizzard of lies. They lied about Russia's involvement in the 2016 election. They lied while impeaching President Trump twice. They lied about the armed insurrection on January 6th, where no one was armed. They continued to lie while weaponizing the judicial system against Trump. They lied about George Floyd and BLM. They lied about the origins and risks of COVID. They lied about the safety and effectiveness of their vaccines. They continue to lie about the deaths caused by this toxic concoction. They lie about Putin's motivations. They lie about the Ukraine war. They are lying about Israel-Hamas conflict. They're going to lie us into World War III unless we stop them by courageously speaking the truth, no matter the consequences. Their war on truth will fail, just as all other self-serving wars have failed. We will get no truth from the regime or the globalist overlords. It is up to the average Americans to speak the truth, listen to and comprehend the truth, and become the truth, which will be the only chance to stop this madness. I do believe the existing social order of psychopaths in suits will be swept away during the uh, denouement of the once-in-a-lifetime crisis. Before they are defeated and vanquished, there will be much bloodshed, pain, and sacrifice necessary to achieve victory. We can change the earth by holding tight to the truth. It is time to become heroes. Uh, And a couple more quotes, George Orwell, there was truth and there was untruth. And if you clung to the truth, even against the whole world, you were not mad. And from William Faulkner, never be afraid to raise your voice for honesty and truth and compassion against injustice and lying and greed. If people all over the world would do this, it would change the earth. End of the article. I can't say that I agree with everything uh, the author wrote up in this article, but the, the sentiment for the most part, right? There, there are those that want you dead, uh, and they will do things within their power to make that happen, either dead or broke or whatever. Um, my, w- one of the few takeaways, again, I'm, I am jaded, after years of this nonsense, I am jaded. Um, I, I, I believe in speaking the truth uh, to the people who can understand and comprehend the truth. Uh, but I'm also okay with, in favor of, will advocate for lying to those who can't or won't or don't. Right? Like the, the, the unwashed masses, the sheeple out there, um, rather than Rather than trying to, you know, be amongst them and convert them as one of the sheeple, uh, I've always been in favor of pretending to be the shepherd, right? And, and using them to attain our anarchist slash libertarian goals or whatever, right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't care if we lie to them, you know, if it, if it means that... Um, there is less of an overarching state affecting our liberties and our freedom. Um, I said this before. I said it again. Like I don't, I don't want, I don't want to attain the type of freedom that requires everyone to join me in being free. Like there are those that don't want to leave the plantation, and I, as a runaway slave, uh, should not hinge my freedom on them running away and leaving the plantation with me. And the rebuttal that I got from that or get from that is, well, they will be the ones trying to hold you back. Yes. Yes, they will be. 
and I still don't want to spend the time convincing them not to hold me back before I leave. Right. I want to go. And if they tried to hold me that hold me back, uh, they they are as equal of my enemy as the master on the plantation and should be dealt with in the same manner. You know, like I'm not a God, you know, I, I probably got too violent on the last episode, so I won't rehash that here. Um, but I'm not against violence. I'm, I'm, I'm pro defensive use of violence. I am not a pacifist, right? I'm of the general belief. And this is, you know, there's at least one historical example of pacifists being wiped out, um, by, I'm going to say marauders, right? It's like, we're going to take over you pacifists. And pretty soon the population of the pacifists goes is like 5% of what it was when the raid started because they just get run over right there. That's, that's not a good way to survive. That's not a good way to achieve freedom. Uh, it's, it's okay to be peaceful amongst those who are peaceful with you. And it's okay to be violent against those who will be violent with you. Um, and so those, you know, those people that the, the deep state, the shadow governments, the, you know, the, uh, the, the facing government, right. The, the act, the federal government and all of their, uh, black ops, whatever, uh, shadow deep state people, uh, are behind the scenes, right? Like it, it's okay, you know, to, to not be peaceful with them when they start being not peaceful with you, right? Like it's, you know, you, 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 you do not owe those people the truth, right? It's okay. It's okay. Uh, to, to lie on your taxes or to not pay them or to not file, right? You, you don't have to be honest with those people. If they're going to use it against you, you ought to be deceptive. You ought to be deceitful with those people and then be truthful, right? Be honorable, amongst those who reciprocate with you but you you owe the masses nothing they're holding you back they collectively are preventing you from achieving the level of liberty and peace and happiness and freedom that you want they are your enemy and okay you want to be peaceful you want to try to convince them you want you know you want to do the the talky talk route fine Edu- educate them go for it I'm, I'm okay with multiple tactics towards freedom, right? But when it doesn't work and they fail to convert and they're no longer, you know, not like, okay, okay, yeah, I agree, yeah, whatever, you know, and, and they start to be the ones holding you back, right? Then cut your ties, move along, let them go, find other peaceful people, you know, that, that, that will share in being peaceful with you and reciprocate that, 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 uh, you know, the, the non-aggression principle, the non-aggression axiom, um, you know, it, it, it ought to be called the non-aggression agreement, right? It only works with people who agree with you. People who will aggress against you, uh, aren't living by that principle and you you don't owe them non-aggression. You don't, not at all. Right. You can, if you want, you know, if you want to get into the semantics, well, when they aggress, then it's no longer, you know, it's then it's self-defense and it's okay. Fine. Right. I'll, I'll accept that. I'll accept that perspective. Right. But you, you still owe them nothing. You don't have to be peaceful with them, you know? And so don't let them hold you back. Find, find your people, find your tribe, do whatever. 
And again, if you're going to be on the inside of the system, right? If you're going to do that part, if you're going to be an activist in that manner, uh, and your goal is to win, lie, right? The, the, this whole article was a was uh, uh, an admission that this type of tactics works, right? The the book propaganda and public relations, it works. People are fooled daily because they're inundated with non-truths that get them to uh, respond emotionally, and then they're no longer on our side. And, and, and so, we, so we have to be truthful and honest and, and fact-based with them to get the... No, that's not how they're going to respond. They will always respond emotionally. And if they're going to be so manipulated by the other team, you ought to start manipulating them so at least for a brief moment in time, they're fighting on your side. That was the other thing. I'd rather convince people by using facts, rationale, and reason uh, so that they stay on our side. Well, fine, but you got to get them to our side first. And if they're responding emotionally to the propaganda put out by this deep state or the actual state and the deep state, right, you're never going to get them on your side because they're the, it's the emotional connection that needs to be broken. And you're going to have to rely, rely on manipulating their emotions to get them on our side. Once they're on our side, well, then hold them there, you know, compel them to stay based on evidence, reason, and logic, and facts, and all that, um, and make it difficult for them to have that emotional connection back to the other side. Uh, but you're not going to get you're not going to get enough of them, right? You, you'll you'll get a, you'll get some stragglers here and there, right? I'll I'll admit, um, I didn't have a deep political attachment when I found these ideas. So it was easy for me to latch on to the reason and logic and facts uh, because that's that was already my mindset in other aspects of life. Right? But I wasn't a Republican. I wasn't a Democrat. I've never, I've never worked a government job. Uh, I mean, aside from like kindergarten, right? I've never been to a government school. Um, I just, I'm not in that system. Right, I never registered to vote. I've never done jury duty. Right? I've done, I've done nothing for these people, so it was easy. Right, for me, there's no emotional connection whatsoever to that aspect of life. And you go like, well, okay, so you know the the anarchist ways, the principles, the the non-aggression principle, the the uh, ideals of complete liberty resonate uh, because I don't have an emotional attachment. People like me, you can get. But the rest of them, the people that, you know, my dad's been in the military, my whole family's been in the military for our whole lives. My mom works at the courthouse. My dad's a police officer. You know, they're, they're never going to come on your side. Never. At least not the way you think. Right? They, you, might pick up, you might pick up on something they agree with here and there. Um, I did hear, you know, one, uh, one libertarian who's kind of like, I don't want to say ostracized, but had some conflicts within the, like the local libertarian community here. And he said, like, you got to get them on the wedge issues, right? You're not going to convince them of the, you know, the, the general issues that the party agrees on, but these wedge issues where there's overlap, like you gotta, you gotta get them on your side on those issues and then move them over. Right. So like, you know, there, there are tactics, um, but speaking, speaking the truth to power, is all well in principle, uh, 
but the power is not going to take you down. The, the people you are speaking the truth to will emotionally react as the cognitive dissonance explodes their brain and they will be the ones attacking you. Um, it's, it's now a, a too often used cliche, uh, but we'll go back to the matrix cause it's useful. Uh, there are people not ready to exit and at any time they will turn into an agent Smith and they will turn on you, right? You, you pick the wrong top. You, you start strong. You got them built up like, yeah, yeah, you're kind of right on these things. And then you try to move into an area where their, their emotional attachment is too strong and boom, they like, like a flick of a switch. They're back to being your enemy. You're in an argument trying to convince them on reason and logic, uh, because that worked a minute ago, uh, sort of, you know, but the emotional attachment is too strong. Um, and off they go agent smithing for the state yet again. I'm going to move on. Also from Lou Rockwell, there is no legitimate role for any government or rule. Hard stop, period. I don't even need to read the article, but I will because I'm trying to kill some time here. Uh, government is for slaves. Free men govern themselves. A quote by Albert Parsons. Recently, I wrote about a world gone mad, and I now understand that my title was a gross understatement. Madness indicates psychotic behavior. But what is going on today, while most assuredly psychotic, is also intentional, completely planned, and being implemented with full consciousness by evil forces. To make matters worse, the pathetic masses are taking sides, fomenting hate, supporting their chosen masters, and tearing apart all that is right, thus allowing this insane tyranny and carnage to continue unabated. If one was to step aside and take stock in this insanity, he would at once be faced with the reality of the heinous agendas being pursued. But few are willing to take that step. Most all continue to look towards the complicit and abhorrent state to save them from the premeditated and monstrous policies being pursued by all governments at the behest of their controlling overlords. Religion has always been a controlling mechanism used to subdue the crowd, so it is no surprise that the worship of the state is, by its subjects is reverent in nature. The state and the church throughout time have acted as one, both seeking compliant and devoted followers. This was the plot all along, as history will certainly support. This is why the ruling class throughout its controlled government have always been the people's church and the government agents have always sought to be seen as gods by the collective hordes of votaries all power seek have to destroy the idea, all power seekers have to destroy the idea of individualism self-sufficiency critical thinking and independent sovereignty in order to be seen as superior of the to the members of the dependent herd this tenant is mandatory for rule of one over another to exist and it has been accomplished throughout time. One of the main goals of government is to place itself and its illegitimate authority above all others in society, thereby eliminating the possibility of critical scrutiny or prosecution from immoral and illegal acts. Government does not only rule, they make and enforce all the laws, laws that are meant only for the lowly people, not for those in power. 
Many of those who pretend to be anti-state will preach that all in government should be held to the same standards as the plebiscites, but they completely disregard reality. Government always and forever protects itself at all costs by controlling every aspect of what is referred to as law and justice. Government controls the executive, king, the Congress, the courts, including what is referred to as the Supreme Court, the police, the military, and all aspects of total regulation of people and commerce. Those involved in this fraud will rarely, if ever, be investigated or held to account for criminal activity because they own and control the judicial system. Asking for the state to police itself is ludicrous beyond sanity. One cannot be charged for investigating or prosecuting himself, so the oligarchs are safe in their separation from the common man. Those who scream for the government to investigate or police itself, to set up commissions to find truth, to limit its power voluntarily, to prosecute and punish its members for crimes, or to abide by some ridiculous constitution that they alone drafted, are utter fools who have not the ability to think clearly or apply any logic, reason, or honesty concerning these matters. They should be ignored, laughed at, and abandoned by any individual. What this boils down to concerning the state is this. Most everything is a lie. Most everything is propaganda. Most everything detrimental is planned in advance and intentionally executed. Many, if not most, evil acts are false flags. Most everything is criminal. Most every action and adverse event is purposely staged and a scam. The state is most assuredly nothing more than organized crime bent on total power, monopoly, and control. Because of governments, we have a perpetual war, and the so-called exceptional U.S. has warred aggressively for approximately 93% of its existence, likely more, and has been responsible for the deaths of tens if not hundreds of millions of innocent people. Today alone, governments, mostly Western governments, along with Zionist Israel, are plotting to commit genocide and world war in order to advance the globalist agenda of one world governance. We have had the fake COVID scam that has led to unbelievable deadly consequences, including the lockdown of humanity, poisonous and in many cases fatal bioweapon injections, economic destruction, insane inflation, and complete loss of freedom. There are intentionally structured wars in Syria, Ukraine, most of the Middle East and around the world all due to the existence of governments and rule. Famine, poverty, rioting, property confiscation and destruction, forced mass immigration meant only to divide and harm, and the perversion and murder of children worldwide is rampant. Because of government and rule, hell on earth has consumed all of our lives. It is impossible to ignore, but most continue to hide from the truth, while looking for answers from those very criminals and scum in power who have caused all the horror and terror that exist in the world today. Most are watching and accepting the genocide of two million innocents in Palestine, in many cases urging it to continue due to supporting the warmongering nations responsible for all the conflict in the first place. The weak, immoral, and pathetic attitudes of the great unwashed majority who make up the bulk of the general population is a testament to the failure of mankind. How incredibly pitiful, 
a sight that is this, as it forces any decent sentient being to cringe at the loss of all that is right and good. The all-consuming evil in this world is in full view, but blindness on a grand scale has infected this collective horde of soulless masses to such an extent as to render them unsuitable to any pursuit of moral relevance. There is no legitimate role for any government or rule of one over another. There has never been any proper government, as all government is based on lies, thievery, monopoly of force, and murder. All government consists of the lowest form of human. All government is unnecessary. Without government, wars would be virtually non-existent. Global world war would be impossible. And peace among men would likely be the norm. Any existence of government or rule negates any possibility of freedom. Therefore, the natural free state of man can never exist in the presence of authoritative dominance. It should be obvious that no good whatsoever can come from government, but evil is always guaranteed in any state of rule. A quote from Murray Rothbard to wrap this article up. The state is and always has been the great single enemy of the human race, its liberty happiness and progress end of the article similar sentiment as the last article uh and after i finished reading that i pulled up an article uh that i had for show prep last week but i think flows well with the current mindset and and train of thinking that i'm on so we might get into that next but on this one right again what do you do what can be done everything is a lie everything is propaganda Everything detrimental is planned in advance and intentionally executed. Uh, you know, last week we discussed briefly like the main shooter and the M-A-N-M-A-I-N-E for the state of Maine, that, that dude that went nuts, right? And I don't know how much I knew uh, while discussing it briefly here last week, um, but, you know, the information that came out since then was, again, known to the FBI, uh, was in psychological treatment prior to this, uh, was in custody or, or something to that effect, you know, was somewhere, someone reported him, um, that they thought that he was going to go nuts and do something harmful and then boom, it happens. Right. And so, you know, in, in other discussions, I said, well, is, is this a false flag? Many, if not most evil acts are false flags. Like, did they allow this to happen? And at the time, you know, the, the conspiracy theorists love to go on like down on that tangent, right? Be- because he was known, right? He was reported. He was on the radar. And yet no, no attempt by the state uh, to stop the shooter. But afterwards, right, the propaganda, well, just like all the other shooters, he was using an AR-15, right? A modern sporting rifle, popular amongst uh, dissident Americans. You know, and I said, well, is, was this a false flag? And like, I didn't get a clear answer at the time. Uh, but the answer I got was, well, never let a tragedy go to waste. Right. So from there, from the government perspective, anytime, even if they don't plan this stuff, even if this is not part of their grand scheme, right? Well, we're, you know, we're, we, we need something going on in Maine. Let's, let's go send a shooter down there to, terrorize a bowling alley and a restaurant right even if that's not the plan uh 
he was on the radar. They did nothing to prevent it. They did nothing to stop it. And then they used it for their personal agenda or their uh, political agenda afterwards. And that being, you know, the whole gun confiscation, gun-free America, uh, we need to take the guns away type of deal. And so it's, it's, it's maybe not as bad, but, you know, it's, it's up there, man, right? If they're, if they're not going to protect, you know, and we know they're not. So you got you to kind of protect yourself. And that was my big question uh, coming out of the main thing. It's like, well, Maine's got good gun laws, generally speaking. They're not the best, but they're not, they're not even near as restrictive as New York, California, Hawaii, et cetera. Uh, where was the, where was the good guy with a gun? Why wasn't, why wasn't anybody at that bowling alley armed? Um, if it's a, if it's a gun friendly or gun favorable state, like that's, you know, I don't have the answer, but that's a question that I did pose, you know, point is, um, they will allow these things to continue to happen. And so what I don't want to suggest is that in the absence of government, there will be an absence of violence. And I will, I will also suggest that um, I don't want to call them a government, but, but we know that the, hu- the general human condition prior to, you know, quote-unquote civilized society was one of, of violence and conquest, you know, uh, the raiders, uh, pirates, you know, the, those sorts of people uh, whose, sole, whose sole lot in life or sole purpose in life was to go out and do the bad things um, that those people existed then. And those people still exist now. Uh, they just, they, they just don't have to, they have the moral authority to do it now from their seat of power in the government. Right. There's, there's an old cartoon. I don't even know when the cartoon was made, but it, you know, in thinking all these things through over the last week or so, it like popped into my head. I didn't watch it again. Um, but it's the old like cartoon, short cartoon and, and a song like pirates and emperors. And if you haven't seen it, go on YouTube, just look up pirates and emperors and it's catchy and you'll, you'll, you know, it's, it'll be stuck in your head hopefully for a little bit, but it kind of, and because of the age, right, you know that this has been going on for decades, right? But it's basically, uh, the emperor and the pirate, you know, the, the gist of the cartoon, is that the emperor and the pirate are one and the same, and the, the, the only difference is scale, right? The pirate plunders one ship at sea, and the, and the emperor has a whole naval armada to plunder uh, more seas, right? So they, they do the same thing. Um, so to suggest that we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be in a peaceful society, uh, absent the state, I think is ludicrous, um, but what they do, what what those individuals won't have, is the moral authority um, and perception of the masses to do those things. And so you you know it's a lot it's a lot easier uh, to fight back against pirates and bandits and marauders uh, than it is to fight back against state officials. And so I, I, I think that's the big thing there, right? Like they they will be there, um, and it's still how you defend yourself against them. Now, I will also say this, one of the, you know, when it comes to the, the anarchist philosophy versus the ideals of statism, um, I also maintain that if you are peaceful, right, if peace is your goal and you want to live in a 
peaceful society, right, then you have to live in a society absent the state. The, the, the state, the government, those individuals cannot exist in your society. And, that's, and the anarchist society is the only one where peace is possible because it's the only, organi- it's the only way to organize, organize a society in such a way where violence is not guaranteed. Right. If you put up a state, if you if you implement a government and you forcibly extract funds from the people through taxation, you have already introduced violence into the system. And if you introduce violence into the system, you cannot claim peace. Right. And it's you know, it's it's a it's it's a weird dichotomy um, because I think most Americans feel safe. Right. They, our government, the United States federal government, goes overseas and wages war and kills a bunch of brown people, uh, but they don't necessarily do all that much of it here on that scale, right? And, and, and people have said, you know, it's, it's, it's been quipped in the past. Uh, the reason I don't leave America is because the only thing worse than American domestic policy is American foreign policy, right? You know, like, as bad as the government is here, if you leave, it's likely going to be worse because over there, they care that much less about your life or any other life outside the borders, right? They, they will blow you up. Um, they, ha- they have a less, they have more qualms about doing it here, right? They, they, they have to do it through other ways like forced jabs and uh, you know, lockdowns and all this other stuff. Right, but they, they can't just drop the bombs here yet. We're getting there. If they get the guns, they'll start dropping the bombs. Right, they uh, was it the '80s or whatever? They firebomb that city in Chicago. So it's, it's not unheard of. It's not unthinkable. Uh, it's just not as common as bombing other countries. So Americans get to sit on this weird sense of security because they feel like the, their government is keeping the enemy away over there like we'll we will fight over there we will not fight here um and so here we're safe but what we learned again from the 9-11 commission report after after, you know those terrorists bombed those towers right is that it wasn't just a random act of terrorism right that the, the the people who still believe that you know are are willfully ignorant to the facts uh it was it was blowback, a term that came around after the report was released, right? It was from decades of interfering in the governments of other nations that they finally got fed up and decided to do something about it here, right? And so the government, uh, being as dangerous as they are on the international level, uh, cause harm here, you know, or invite harm to come here, whereas if they could be peaceful right on on a country level right i know it's all individuals but if you can be peaceful on a country level and and not you know not have bases all over the world that's another thing i'll i'll divert very quickly uh, or maybe not because i have a tendency to ramble and go on tangents um i was having a conversation with the boss today before i left work it was brief and i wasn't in the mood to argue so it wasn't an argumentative thing uh Oh, you know, we were, we were talking about, um, you know, the, the amount of military bases and installations that the United States has all over the world, 
right? And I, I mentioned something about, you know, the, the sun never sets on the British Empire. That's an old trope, right? When Oh, it started with just food, right? That's how the conversation started, right? It was like the, the Britain, the, you know, it's, again, it's a, it's a meme, but it's funny, I think. Uh, you know, Brit- the Britons conquered the entire world in search of the best herbs and spices, uh, and they still think mayonnaise is too much, right? Or something to that effect. Like, they went all over the world. They got access to the best foods on the planet. Uh, and English food is shit, for the most part. Um, and so, you know, the, the sun never sets on the British Empire. And, my, and the, the boss quipped. Um, and I didn't fact check this. Don't really care. But this was the quip. Uh, that at the height of the empire, right, Britain was uh, ruling over 40-some-odd countries. Right? They, they, they had... They had invaded, conquered, you know, run, ruled, or whatever, some 40-something countries across the world. And the United States is in over 100, right? And I, I jokingly said, well, the British would call us the colonists, and they're still theirs, right? Man, whatever. Not, not important. Not germane to this discussion. Um, but we're, we're, the United States, right, is all over the place, wreaking all kinds of havoc, and the vast majority of people think that that prevents it from coming here. And when it does come here, they're dumbfounded as to why. How could that possibly be? We're the, the best and the brightest, uh, you know, the safest place on earth. How could, how could those terrorists want to destroy? They hate us for our freedoms. Right? That's, that was the trope. That was the mentality. That was the thought process. Uh, but no, it's because your government's fucking interfering everywhere else, and eventually people get fed up. Again, the Israel-Hamas thing, I've covered this before, so I'll be brief again. Um, I'm not picking sides, right? But if you're an occupying force, Israel, and the occupied uh, people, the Palestinians, Hamas, whatever, right, decide that they're not happy being occupied anymore and decide to fight back, well... You can't really claim that it came out of nowhere, right? It's, it's, a, it's a hard sell for me. It's a hard sell to me to say that, well, we didn't know that this was going to happen. They're, they're just terrorists. They just want to do bad things. No, they're, they're an occupied populace, right? Like that, that's, not, that's, that's a breeding ground for terrorism. That's not peaceful coexistence. If you're peacefully coexisting with your neighbors and trading with their neighbors, right? They're less likely to want to invade. They're less likely to want to kill and harm because they know where they have to get some of their products, you know, the, the, the basic essentials, the necessities of life, uh, luxury items. I don't care what it is. If you're supplying luxury items to them and they're enjoying it, right? Why would they, what are they going to do? Blow you up, blow up the plant, Right, that's produced. No, there's there's no incentive, no motivation, no motivation to do anything like that, and it's ludicrous to think or to to uh, assert that people think that way. So, if you're living harmoniously with your neighbors, trading goods and services amongst each other, uh, that's the best way to avoid conflict. And yet, that's not the role of government, and will never be the role of government. The only thing that government can do is interfere with that peaceful process and insert violence into the equation where one uh, ought not exist and didn't exist prior, right? The, the marauders that take over and stay and continue to tax, 
right, operate in a manner as the government. And I, you know, when, when I pitch for these ideas and, you know, people go like, well, if you got rid of the federal government, the gangs would take over. Like, yes, but I'm fairly confident that a people that was the, the, a, the general population of individuals and people, the peoples that were able to remove the yoke of the mighty United States federal government can handle the bloods and crips and MS 13 down the street, right? That's a much smaller problem to have. If you have just demonstrated the ability to repel the mighty military of the United States federal government, right? Like the local gangs have no chance. They may try, right? But even, even when they try those, they're the pirates, in the pirates and emperor analogy, right? They, they're on a much smaller scale. They have much less resources. They have no moral authority to do it. And so taking them out is much easier. And I've also suggested, you know, uh, that the, the use of people willing to fight those people, uh, you know, using, the, using some of the unwashed masses to do a little bit of the dirty work and, and save your reserves is not necessarily a bad thing, right? So if, if you want to steer Antifa in the direction of fighting the cops, right, then, then both your enemies lose members on each side, and it makes the cleanup a little simpler in the long run. So, like, let your enemies fight it out, and then you come in as the cleanup crew to, make, to establish your freedoms, your liberties, your sense of justice, and what is good in the world, uh, etc. But the government, no place. The state, no place. Any of those, any of those people, right? We need to get back to a time where that role is viewed as illegitimate uh, and therefore, you know, not protected, right? Uh, oh, it's an assassination, right? It's it's worse because they went after a politician. No, those are the people that ought to be gone after. Those are the people who are using stolen funds to operate their money-stealing, money-printing, violent organization to oppress and subjugate you, right? They, they are the enemy. They are the larger enemy. And you can gather with your other enemies to fight them. You can let your enemies fight them, right? But, but they, they are not a protected class, nor should they ever be seen as a protected class too good to go after, right? Bring back the tars, bring back the feathers, Bring back the guillotine for all I care, um, and string them all up. There are there are no innocents in the government, innocents, right? Not innocents, but there are no innocent individuals in the government. They are all products of violence against the masses, violence against the people, violence against you. They are all part of the system that steals your money, steals your liberty, steals your freedom, steals your time, and looks at you as a subject. And they use that terminology when calling in a report over the radio, right? Subject is, uh, you know, white male, 5'9", 255 pounds, right? That's that you are the subject. They are the masters according to them. Um, and if you switch that mentality, uh, if we go back to the truthiness of things, right? The truth makes a whole lot more sense. Moving on. All right. This last one is from zero hedge. Um, I'm going to read it just because, um, but it was posted at another group. And one of the responses that I got was, well, the article goes on, but never really answers the question. And I will say this, 
um, as a as a broadcast professional, uh, I will answer the question: Can a demoralized and lazy people fight for liberty? Uh, short answer is no. Long answer is yes, but not effectively. Uh, but let's see what Jeffrey Tucker has to say on the issue and whether he draws any conclusions at all in his article. American culture and enterprise are broken, a wreck. The people who broke everything hopes to outlast those who still have the energy to resist. Meanwhile, vast numbers of people in this country no longer know which way is up, have no purpose, and only have a vague memory of how life is supposed to work, even as we sink further into economic stagnation. That's a big thesis, but let's begin with something small. A few days ago, I was speaking to the founder and owner of a very successful accountancy firm that has been around for decades and has a reputation for doing great work. We were talking briefly about the state of the country, and I got an earful. The same story I've heard from countless business owners and managers over the last several years. She cannot find competent workers. They might have credentials, but they cannot finish tasks. They lack professional scrupulosity, much less real pride in what they do. They slog to the office when convenient and look for every excuse not to be there. They take every last hour of paid time off and use every sick day. She has the feeling that even her employees are trying to pull the wool over her eyes. This kind of low-quality product is very dangerous in this business, There are deadlines, there are consequences for being wrong, accounting has to be accurate for an enterprise to function and be compliant with the state, I'll add that. She delays as long as possible in terminating employment, but after years of experience, she sees the writing on the wall, but there is a problem. These days, there are no obvious replacements. At this point, she is looking forward to retirement. There are no successors to her position. Every aspect of this small story is repeated millions of times throughout the country. I've heard it over and over in every industry. We can't find workers. The ones we do don't know anything. If they do know something, they don't know how to actualize the knowledge and productivity. If they produce, it is according to their terms, not the needs of the firm. Another thing is just how entitled people under 35 years of age are. Everything in the office has to be just right, not just the temperature in the room, but the coffee, the chair the positioning of the window, all colleagues, and so on. They are just looking for excuses to complain, and the complaints are nonstop about everything. There is a vague sense in the office that everyone is potentially litigious. What an environment. Is it any wonder that companies are having a hard time getting people back to the office? Only half or so have been so persuaded. In many cities across the country, this has led to an empty downstairs with very low foot traffic compared to the past. That means that ancillary enterprises, restaurant shops, bars are not doing well either. There is a very real possibility that the future that many once bustling tall buildings will fall into disuse and eventually be torn down. Much of this mess was kicked into high gear during lockdowns. Workers discovered clever ways of pretending to do work while receiving vast sums of stimulus payments. Do that for two years and you never go back to the old ways. When you do go back, you do so only with anger, resentment, cynicism, and an underlying bitterness at the world. This pretty well describes vast portions of the American workforce today. The problem is the huge decline and fall in the work ethic. It's so ubiquitous that we hardly see it anymore, but it is everywhere. This is why bars and restaurants can't stay open too late. They cannot find workers who are willing. 
This is why your car sits for weeks at the mechanic shop. This is why your favorite stores no longer carry what you used to buy, or if they do, it is only intermittently and in a much smaller package. It is why your sheets are no longer changed in a hotel and why no one can fix your air conditioning and why this winter your street may or may not be plowed. It's why you wait on hold for hours for tech support. It's why flying is such a risk because it is as likely as not that the flight will be canceled. It is why when you are waiting for your flight, you go to a bar and have to order using your phone instead of talking to an actual human being. When your beer arrives, it could be what you ordered or it could be something else, but there's nothing you can do either way. It's why everything you order is late, subpar, or overcharged and underperformed. It's why those who do work seem overwrought and overwhelmed, and those who don't are invisible, dependent, demoralized. Fixer-upper houses are enormously risky and selling at discounts because it is nearly impossible to find skilled, affordable workers to repair them. Quite often these days, it feels like everything is broken. The longer this goes on, the more it will be normalized. Even before lockdowns, this trend was accelerating. But when governments set out to treat everyone like children and then abuse them, a rampant sadness set in and led to demotivation. If the government doesn't care, why should I? If the government, with the media's blessing and while tech companies get rich, is so utterly disregarding of the well-being of myself, my family, and my community, what hope do I have? I might as well find the nearest substance to take away my pain and while away the hours. As a mental correction, I often return in my mind to the few weeks I spent in South Korea about six years ago. I was astonished at what I encountered simply because I'd never seen anything like it before. No matter how early I got up in the morning and went downstairs or outside, there were mobs of people there before me. They were at the gym, in the public transit, in the shops, on the streets. It was the most bustling, enterprising, energetic scene I've ever witnessed, full of drive and ambition. Walk through downtown streets and you get a relentless sales pitch for something or everything. Walk through the alleyways and you will be amazed at the back end of every enterprise. The sweat, the toil, the focus, the raw skill. No one is afraid to work. It's seen as a blessing. The whole experience of South Korea inspired me. I'm pretty sure that this was America in the 1800s or the 1920s or even the 50s. Something has changed. Something dramatic. The lockdowns just put a fine point on it. We are rich enough to do nothing but hide from the invisible respiratory bug. The response gutted what remained of my many people's connections to reality and a fulfilling life. So yes, lots of things are broken, even most things. Is there a way out? Yes, but not before we deal with and overcome some very hard times. We need a restored liberty, but are broken people prepared to fight for it? Uh, end of the article. And again, the answer is no, not a chance, right? He brings up the lockdowns uh, and, and the lockdowns were, were the glorious handouts of stimulus checks to buy products that weren't available because they shut down production, right? Like these, you know, this on the cycle of, you know, the, the good men, good times, hard men, hard times, uh, you know, soft men, hard times. Like on that cycle, uh, we are living through the bad times, right? This this is the bad times that will produce the good men, but the good men are not here yet, right? We they, we we might be the start of it, 
the 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 lowly libertarian anarchists, you know, preaching the ideas of truth and freedom and liberty, uh, but we are not the fighters. Far from it. That was the whole point of like the last points I was making for the previous articles. Uh, we're we're not going to fight for this, right? Uh, the the old uh, the Tom, Thomas Jefferson. Why not, right? Or, or whomever. Uh, you know, the, the, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. We are not the vigilant generation, not in us, not now, right? We're not, we're not going to fight. We're not going to stay in the fight. Right? we've got high definition TV. It's football season. You know, I have my, I have my own vices. Like I, I like to play video games. If you didn't already know, we're not going to fight the next generation right, is, is relatively soft in these areas too. The next generation uh, is the ones that in this, you know, is the demoralized and lazy people that don't even do well in the work environment. They're not going to do well on the battlefield either. To turn this thing around, we need we need to breed the strong, the confident, the confident, right? The 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 good men to bring about the good times. Uh, and and you know. Unfortunately, we, we're living through the bad times and the soft men, you know, part of this, right? They, they, they have bred about the bad times, and we are waiting for the good men to bring about the good times. So to answer the questions, both of them, uh, are broken people prepared to fight for it? Not a chance. Can a demoralized and lazy people fight for liberty? Not a chance. And he brings up South Korea. Uh, the example that I always bring up is North Korea. If you want to know how bad it can get, look towards North Korea, right? I don't know at what point in their history it started to turn in the favor of their, you know, of their supreme leader and away from the people, uh, but their people are poor, generally starving, malnourished, like basic subsistence living, uh, if that, right, if they're not dying of starvation, being forced to work in those conditions, right? And they have not rebelled. And if they have not rebelled under those conditions, right? And the spirit of American rebellion has been squashed out by the vast overreach of the United States federal government, right? Then that's where this ends up at some point in the future for this country. That's how bad can it get? It can get that bad. And before it turns to that direction, right, before you turn in your AR-15 or your AR-10 or your AK, well, whatever, A-47 is the common one, right, before you hand those over and allow that to be the, the turning point, the impetus, the catalyst towards more, North, more like North Korea, uh, think about whether or not that's the way you want to live out your days and whether or not that's the future you want to leave for your children. Because if the answer is no, well then, you know, start thinking about being the resistance, start thinking about being the rebellion, uh, start thinking about taking back, you know, your part of whatever you consider to be this great country. Uh, if that's your thing, I'm not very patriotic. The landmass is fine. Um, but I've, I've got no ties to it, you know, emotionally just happens to be where I live. Um, and at least locally around here happens to be where people who think like me are starting to gather. 
And so it's a lot easier to be around those people. Uh, but you, you know, the, the, the demoralized and lazy won't do it. So those of us that still have morals, that still have an ethic to fight, uh, the impetus is on us. Uh, that's all I got. End of the show. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchist experience or t.me slash the anarchist experience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to y'all next week. Peace.